Last week, we launched a new series. It's called Level Up, and uh, we are intentionally riffing on the video game theme. But really, the big idea behind this series, Level Up, is actually comes from a letter that uh, one of the early church heavyweights, a guy named Paul, wrote to a, a, a church in a place called Philippi. And uh, we now have that in our Bible. Uh, it's called the Letter to the Philippians. And uh, right out of the gate, Paul wrote something incredibly profound. In, in fact, reminding the church in Philippi of three very powerful promises that we can hold on to as we follow Jesus. And uh, we teed off with that ourselves last week. If that was Paul's leading play, let's follow his lead and go with it ourselves. And this is the, the, the three promises that Paul reminded that church in Philippi, that as followers of Jesus, we need to be reminded, we need to know, we need to never forget, let's throw that up, that Paul said, I am certain that God, here's the first promise, began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Paul's reminding the church there that God started this, It wasn't you, you're not that clever, but you are that blessed that God chose you to begin a good work. Of all the things, of all the people, He chose you to begin a good work. It was all on Him and yet we get all of the benefits of that. But it's not just about starting a good work, God's actually gonna continue that good work. Well, that's fantastic. We, as we journey through life, we, as we journey following Jesus, actually have God working all the time to continue the work that He started. And actually, He's not gonna leave it unfinished, that He's actually gonna complete the work when either Jesus comes or we go, whichever comes first, either way, that we're gonna actually see God take this this work that He began through to completion. And really the the thread of that and the theme of that, and it's one of the two biggest themes in this letter that Paul wrote, it's all about growth. That following Jesus isn't a one-time decision. That following Jesus isn't a location. Following Jesus isn't a place that we we just sit and kind of idle away the time. That following Jesus is actually a journey. It's actually a growth. And just like in video games with, with, with following Jesus, we can actually go to higher and higher levels. And last week I talked about three levels. Let me show you uh, in case you missed them last week or remind you for those of you that were here. Level one, it's the starting point. Level one is when we first make a decision to follow Jesus. We are now uh, metaphorically a baby Christian, a little baby that needs to be fed. Be fed, be fed. Right now, Jeffrey Earnshaw is in the back row with his new baby and Miranda's and he's feeding that baby. And that baby, we have no expectation that that two-week-old baby is gonna feed it itself because he's a baby. But listen up, Eli, you listening, buddy? You can't stay that way wherever you are. That as you grow, there's a responsibility and a requirement to actually move up a level and to get to a level where you're gonna need to be able to feed yourself. Now, when we go to level two, sorry, back it up. If we choose to go to level two, Understand there will still be opportunities to be fed. You all can still visit mom and dad's house to get a meal, most of you, sometimes, if you're good. But you can't expect mom and dad to come over your house and cook for you breakfast, lunch and dinner because you're 35 years old. (laughs) 
We, our teaching team, our music team, our, all of our team members, we will still offer up a meal every Sunday, 10 a.m., for one hour, and you can eat that thing to the bones and the marrow. But if the only meal that you eat, spiritual meal you eat, is the meal that's served up here for one hour on a Sunday, you will be malnourished. And God's best is not for you to be malnourished, it's for you to flourish and for us to flourish, but that requires us to have the responsibility and to level up to level two, where we learn to feed ourselves. And I went through some of the ways that we can do that. You can go back last week and listen to the podcast. And then there's this highest level, level three, where we discover purpose, where we discover that we're on this planet, we're in this city, we're called to be part of Elevate Church, not merely to sit at the table and consume, but actually there's a purpose behind that, that the energy, the growth, the, 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 what God's putting in us is actually designed for us to, to, to actually pour out, for us to invest into others, for us to, to feed others. There's a purpose beyond that. We still need to keep being fed. We still need to keep feeding ourselves, but, but, but to stay at that level, Level is gonna see us get spiritually obese and it's gonna see us miss out on the understanding that God has called us for a purpose and planted us here for such a time as this. So the idea is for us to level up. And just in the, as it is in the gaming world, as we level up, we'll gain experience points. We'll gain... Uh, rewards, and we'll also unlock new skills and abilities. And if you know that about gaming world, that word unlock is, is a key, is a key to understanding how this works. See, when the designer or the creator of these games, when they put that thing together, those rewards at high levels and those skills and abilities at high levels, they're already there before you even purchase the game. They're already there before you even start playing the game. But the only way you get to access those rewards and the only way you get to appropriate those new skills and abilities is by unlocking them. And the only way you unlock them is by going to higher and higher levels. And God has got promises and God has got rewards and God has got new skills and new abilities and more capacity already waiting for you. They're already there. He's baked them into the operating system. But the only way you and I are gonna be able to access those rewards that are already there and unlock those new skills and abilities that are already there is if we continue this journey and commit ourselves to leveling up to higher and higher levels. And I wanna talk today about a key to leveling up and it's called team play. Now, come with me in the Wayback Machine, and I wanna take you back to 1978. I know some of you weren't born in 1978. I, however, was. And in 1978, uh, a big shift happened in the gaming world. Prior to then, video games were on a console called an Atari, and uh, probably the most well-known game is a game called Pong. Like, like stinky, like ping pong, it's called a Pong. And uh, it wasn't a very, complicated game. <laughs> in fact, the way you played it is you had a controller that would turn up and down, a bit like you turn the volume up on a radio. And that was the game. You would turn the controller to the left or you turn the controller to the right. 
It wasn't very complicated. Then, in 1978, along came video arcade games and uh, places like Time Zone and places like my local fish and chip shop had these arcade-style games. And, and, and the way these arcade-style games were designed, they were, they're these tall, kind of like maybe two-meter-tall kind of units, and they had a screen, and they had a little, few little buttons and a little controlling thing. And the way they were designed is they were actually shoved against the wall and you would play them facing the wall, facing the screen, and you'd play them on your own. And there was, there was no opportunity for you to collaborate. It was just all about single player mode and it was you versus the game, you versus uh, the, the enemies, you versus the challenges. It was just you. And, and, and the, the closest you could even come to team play was maybe one of your two bozo mates would be staring over your shoulder to, to watch you playing this solo game. That was 1978. Needless to say, a lot's changed since 1978 because there's this thing now called the internet. Probably you've heard of it. And uh, the internet has changed everything when it comes to gaming. Just before Fortnite took over the gaming world recently, the gaming world was all about Minecraft. Has anyone played Minecraft? Anyone? Okay, it's fine, it's fine. It's good. I'm not judging if you have or you haven't. It happens to be the second highest selling game ever in the history of gaming. Is it gonna drive anyone crazy if I don't tell you what the first one is? No, okay, it's fine, I can move on. I know the answer, I mean, like, it's just how smart I am. Tetris. Uh, Anna, you can fact check it for yourself. Minecraft. In Minecraft, the premise of the game in Minecraft, it, it, don't, don't shoot me down if you're a geeky gamer. Okay, I'm not gonna give you all the premise of the game, but the premise of the game is you get to build stuff. You start off by building stuff. You build walls and you build forts and you, and you build stuff, okay? It's the start of the game, you build stuff. And then once you've built stuff, you, you fight people who are gonna try to come at you and, and, and take your stuff down. <laughs> That's the game, okay? I know, riveting. And uh, the thing is though, when Minecraft was first released, it was only released in single player mode. So you could only build stuff and you could only fight stuff on your own in single player mode. And then the, the, the smarty pants creators of Minecraft realized, hang on, we think this game is actually gonna be a better experience if we build into it the ability to play it together if we build into it the ability to collaborate. We, we think this will be a much more immersive experience if we can actually connect people who can build stuff and get to build stuff together. And then when they build stuff together, that they get to actually fight and defend stuff together. And, and so they went about using the powers of the internet to take Minecraft from single player world into this multiplayer, multi-platform collaborative experience. And it's exactly the same when it comes to following Jesus. You actually can follow Jesus in single player mode. It is possible you will get to heaven following Jesus in single player mode. My thing is that I don't think you're going to take many people with you 
into heaven by following Jesus in single player mode because Jesus said one of the things that's baked into following me is actually go into all the world and make disciples of more and more people. And so if you think it's just about you and Jesus, there's a whole universe that's been created that you're missing out on. In fact, God created this universe. He called it the church. And the beta version was first released in 33 AD. And God put this thing out there called the church, experimental to begin with, kind of still is. And, And this was his idea. I mean, it just sounds wacky to me. His idea when he released the beta version of the church was to bring together people from different cultural backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, people who've had different upbringings, people from different parts of the world, people with different personalities, and, and, and say to them, <laughs> this experience of following Jesus is actually gonna be better more immersive, more rewarding, more fulfilling if you actually join together and do this together and build together and fight together. So I'm gonna do this thing called the church and I want you to be part of that experience. This letter that Paul wrote, I wanna pick up on that. And if you've got our... uh, Elevate app, you can open that up. You'll see a new section there, by the way, which Rochelle is, is her now favorite section, uh, called Stories. And uh, we've actually put in um, all this, the stories of people that we've captured um, in the last couple of years. So it's there to, for you to be inspired and revisit that. We're actually shooting another story this afternoon. We'll be showing that next week and a little, uh, little teaser about that. Several months ago, one of our teams said to me, said to me Mark, I've never grown. I've been in church all my life. I've never grown as much as I've grown since I connected here at Elevate. And I said to them, we're gonna shove a camera in front of your face and I want you to tell our people and beyond what it is and why it is that God's actually caused you to grow more. And we're gonna shoot that today and show that to you all next week. So be here for that. But in our Elevate app, there's a Bible section. It's gonna take you to a little bit more of what Paul wrote to this church in Philippi. But let me give you the context that Paul was writing to. Now, Philippi was a port city in Greece. Go Greece, Jeremy. Uh, port city in Greece that for centuries had been uh, you know, part of the Greek world. Therefore, the, the architecture was Greek. Uh, the cultural thinking was Greek. The political systems uh, were Greek. The olives were Greek. Everything was Greek. And... Um, then in this, point, in this point in history, a new player entered the, the global or the then known world. And this new player was the Roman Republic. And the Roman Republic started taking over territories around the known world, including taking over Greece. And this port city of Philippi, the Roman uh, authorities, they, they decided that this port city, that they were gonna make it a retirement location for uh, political officials and high-ranking soldiers from Rome to actually go and and live there. Uh, You might call it a Rome away from Rome. I do all my own stunts. Come on, come on, come on. I may never get to use that again, and uh, just don't let it be lost on you, and don't be thankful that I won't get to use it again. 
just cold, very cold. Rome came into Philippi and Rome started to change everything about Philippi. They started to introduce Roman architecture. They started to introduce Roman political thinking. They started to introduce uh, uh, Roman uh, cultures and customs. And what that meant for residents of Philippi is that they were now faced with a decision whether to hang on to the citizenship of Greece and the ways of Greece and, 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 and everything they'd known or whether they wanted to allow into and embrace this new opportunity of becoming a Roman citizen. And into that very moment in history and into that very place in history, Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Jesus. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I'll know that you're standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. So here's Paul writing to a church, a church that he's had a lot of influence in, and he's not sure if he's gonna get back to them. He's not sure if his life and his travels and his circumstances are, allow, are gonna allow him to go and see them again. But, but, but he wrote a letter nevertheless because he wanted to, to instill in them this reminder. And the first thing that he wanted to, to, to let them know while they're on this knife's edge of should I, should I hold on to my Greek citizenship? Should I embrace my Roman citizenship? He said, listen, above all, you're citizens of heaven. And I want you to live like that. It, it, the, the idea of being a Roman citizen or a Greek citizen pales into insignificance by comparison with the calling and the citizenship rights and responsibilities that we have as citizens of heaven. So remember, despite what's going on around you, despite the political landscape, the social landscape, the cultural landscape, the economic landscape, whatever it is that's going on around you, remember above all of that, you're citizens of heaven and I want you to live like that. And then he says, as you're living like that, citizens of heaven, I want you to stand together and I want you to fight together. And these two things go hand in hand. Now, Paul didn't use the word team member or team play, but this idea of citizenship embraces that, that idea that, that you aren't in this on your own that you are a part of something bigger, something larger, something more significant, that all of you, all of us together are citizens of heaven. And with being citizens of heaven, just like it is with citizens of any country, I mean, if you were born in Australia, automatically you would have become a citizen of Australia. And becoming a citizen of Australia comes, has baked into it some incredible rights, and some incredible responsibilities. We have the right to vote, democratically vote. And as much as that may seem, if you've only ever known Australian citizenship, as much as that might, might not seem like a big deal, there are countries all around the world where people are losing their life because they don't have the right to vote. People have lost their life throughout history to gain the right to vote. We have the right to vote. We also have a whole list of responsibilities that comes with citizenship, including not strangling the Woolies checkout person when they don't give you a plastic bag, even though it wasn't Woolies that made the decision, it was actually the government made the decision and they gave you plenty of notice and you couldn't get your shit <laughs> together to bring a bag. And so instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, it was my responsibility to bring 
bring a bag, but no, no, I'll tell you what, no, instead of taking on my responsibility, I'm just gonna choke the checkout person. <laughs> Happened in our state. <clears throat> Made the international news. Proud moment. We have responsibilities. Well, so it is being a citizen of heaven. We have incredible rights. We have the right to know that we're loved unconditionally. We have the right to know that our eternal future is secure. We have the right to know that we get to live empowered by God's Holy Spirit, that we don't have to do this life on our own and in our own strength. And we have enormous responsibilities. We have the responsibility of taking this culture of heaven and bringing it down to earth. Let me give you some examples of what that looks like. In a world ravaged with greed, citizens of heaven bring integrity. In a world characterized by fighting and competing, citizens of heaven bring compassion and peace. In a world characterized by rejection, citizens of heaven get to bring love. In a world full of damage, citizens of heaven get to bring a message of restoration. In a world characterized by despair, citizens of heaven get to offer and usher in hope. In a world characterized by sadness and anxiety, citizens of heaven get to bring joy. But here's the thing, we get to do it together. We get to build together. We get to fight together. And then Paul kept writing. Rhetorically, he asked, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? In other words, guys, you've been encouraged. Is there any comfort from his love? You've been comforted by his love. Any fellowship together with in the Spirit? Have you got God's Holy Spirit that you're actually in a relationship with? Yes. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Your hearts should be by now tender and compassionate because of all this stuff. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. See, this is the bit about the church that, that I think is the, is the wackiest part of all because this shouldn't actually work. You can't get this happening in your home life. It's, it's time to start prepping for dinner and you say to the family, well, so what did everyone want to dinner? And you've got four people in the family and you get four separate answers. And then maybe you get through that battle and, you, and, you've, and you've put the, the dishes in the dishwasher or, or, or someone's on dishwashing duty, whatever it happens to be in your house. And then you say, mm, it'd be nice to sit together as a family or maybe it's just you as a, as a couple. Sit together and watch a movie. So you say, what does everyone wanna watch? And you get four or five different answers, right? This is your family. You share DNA. You have the same address. You've been living together for days, weeks, months, years, sometimes decades. Paul said, I mean, God says, I've got an idea. I'm gonna take people that have never met, that, that share no common background, that come from all parts of the world, that are all different ages, that all have all different personalities, that have no uh, human DNA in common. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to agree wholeheartedly with each other. I want you to love one another. And I want you to work together with one mind and purpose. 
And there's no surprise that this doesn't always work. This doesn't always go well. The church has created a lot of very bad publicity over the years for itself by not being characterised by these things on too many occasions. Because some of the conversations around church life can be, ah, what'd you think of that new song that they introduced this morning? No, I didn't really like it. Oh, well, me either. Oh, what's been the most inspiring message you've heard this week, uh, this, this year? Well, to be honest, I don't think any of them have been particularly inspiring. Yeah. Great. Keep that opinion to yourself. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, of uh, our teaching team, who do you like the most? And, you know, I mean, I know the answer is Louis, but just the point is, we, we, why, are we ask, why would we even be asking any of those questions? Because what do they matter? We are going to have preferences. That's reality. We're going to like some songs more than others. We're going to like some messages more than others. Hey, we're even going to like some people more than others. That's okay. Yet in that, we're called to love one another, agree wholeheartedly with one another and work together with one mind and purpose, not one mind and preference. And the key is this, choose, in all situations, choose purpose over preference. Now, our purpose as Elevate Church, we hit it with a simple stick a few months ago, and we say it very, very simply. Our purpose, our mission is to reach people and build people. And when we're approaching things, when we're approaching decisions, when we're approaching planning, when we're approaching each other, when we're approaching how we talk, how we think, how we interact, how we pray, how we love, how we express relationships, it's gotta be centered around this idea that how, is, is what I'm doing gonna help us reach people and build people? Last Sunday afternoon, uh, Louis and I hosted our youth team and our youth team members came together uh, for an afternoon of planning, strategic planning for term three. And um, our youth team, they're amazing. And yet our youth team, there's, there's, and, and Louis and I in, 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 dropped ourselves into the mix as well. There was about eight, eight or so of us. And again, all from different backgrounds, different cultures. Many of us didn't know each other until we came together here at Elevate Church. Different socioeconomic backgrounds, different backstories to that point. And here we were, eight of us sitting around a table with a whiteboard trying to plan for the next uh, term for Elevate Youth. And of course, people are coming at that with lots of different ideas, and we wanted that. There's a difference between unity and uniformity. If you have uniformity, you don't need unity. Uniformity is actually a paper mache version of unity, by the way. So we want people to look different and, 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 and sound different and come at things with different ideas. And so we're riffing, the whole idea, we say, we say in those sort of planning meetings, put every idea on the table, every idea on the table. And the best idea wins. And it's not a competition, it's just to say we wanna bring out the best ideas but one of the ways you bring out the best ideas is by putting every idea on the table and then we'll sift and sort, but we'll sift and sort based around our purpose. Which of these ideas are gonna help us 
reach people and build people best. And so the way, these, the, the way this planning meeting went and the, and the way our planning meetings go is someone puts up an idea, puts it on the table, and we go, huh, it's a good idea. Not always, some of them are terrible, but you know, <laughs> that's planning. That's, some of my ideas are terrible, so it's fine. You put it on the table, and uh, the team goes, no, yeah, so it's a good idea, it's a good idea. And someone else goes, actually, actually, bam. And they, and they put out another idea, and, and, and sometimes that new idea or that second idea was better than the first idea. So, so we just take that first idea and we throw it out. It never gets spoken of again. And then, and then 30 minutes later, maybe, we'll circle all the way back to that idea and say, hey, you know, that I, I, I've got an even better idea. And, 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 and at all times, the best idea wins. But that only works if people put purpose over preference. Because it's not about which idea do I like the best. It's about which idea is actually gonna work the best. And when we leave that place and when we left that place, our, that place, our place, duh, forgot where I was for a second. When the team left our place, there's a sense of, okay, we're about this. And no one even cares from that moment who owned or gave up the idea. It was just about these are now our ideas and we're gonna make these work because we're gonna choose purpose over preference. And it was, the, the, I, I mean, I'm an old man and, and I'm kind of, my battery's done on a Sunday by about 2 p.m. And yet we were still going around 8 p.m. And it was so energizing to see this group of people that as I said, this should not actually work in practice, and it works because they were committed and we're committed to choosing purpose over preference. And Paul lands, Paul lands this week's message with the following. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Instead, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests but take interest in others too. And I gotta tell you guys, this here, Paul didn't say don't think of yourselves at all, but he just said don't think of others as better than yourselves, that's humility. And, and, and he did, didn't say don't look out at all for your own interests, but he says don't only look out for your own interests. You know, you can't, actually feed others if you're not being fed and if you're not feeding yourself. So we have to actually take interest in our own health, in our own well-being. There's a reason on the plane when you get the safety announcement that they say to the parents with the small kids, put your own mask on first before you put juniors on because you can't help junior if you're the one dying as well. So there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a responsibility for us to be concerned about ourselves and take our journey following Jesus seriously, but don't only take your journey following Jesus seriously. Take other people's journey seriously and be interested in other people. And I'm so proud of us as a church, the way we continue to level up. Last week, we did a thing called The Big Give, and we haven't done this for about six years. And uh, so many of you certainly weren't around six years ago. And uh, last week, we we put a blue bucket, which 
Sadly, two of our team members called the sick bucket and uh, they are no longer with us. Um, <laughs> we put them in the bucket. Um, and, 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 we, and we encouraged our, us as a church to level up and say, let's, in addition to our regular giving, let's give a one-off big give. And we said equal sacrifice, not equal giving. In other words, big is a relative term. So to say the big give, whatever's big for you, how about you consider leveling up and bringing that and giving that into God's kingdom? And we did that uh, last Sunday. And we called it a miracle offering. And and we very intentionally called it a miracle offering because we wanted to see miracles happen in the lead up to that. Miracles of provision, miracles of, of, uh, of release, miracles of mind shift, uh, changes. We wanted to see miracles happen on that day, in that moment, and we certainly want to see more and more miracles happen as a result of what we've done in that moment to reach people and build people. And so that was Sunday. On Monday, a friend of mine from another church, he asked me, he knew that we were doing the big give, and he asked me, you know, how did, how did the big give go? Was it a success? And I said to him, yeah, yeah it was actually. And, and, and just to catch you up, our team members know this, just to catch up, we measure success here at Elevate Church by numbers and stories, both. Numbers and stories. Before I get to the numbers, let me tell you a story. So I'm on my push bike Monday morning and I get a call from Jordan May and uh, I got Bluetooth headphones on and so he, he knows that and he goes, oh, are you on your bike? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay, no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll ride to you instead. Sure, no, that's cool. Now, It's important to know a couple of details for Jordan's story to make sense. Jordan works as a painter uh, for his old man's business. And uh, last year, Jordan has has a sense that God called him to youth work, youth ministry, and not painting for his best contribution. And so last year, he took time out and sacrificed time and money to go and study for a year, study youth work. And look, I've been to Barber College you know, if you go to study nursing school, you come out and you're a qualified nurse, you can get a job as a nurse. But when you go and do like Bible college or youth work, there's never a guarantee that you're gonna come out the other end with a job in, in that profession. You hope that would, but it doesn't always work out that way. And so Jordan's been very much living by faith and he's still working this year uh, in his old man's painting business. And uh, Jordan sent me this uh, message um, Monday morning. Hey, just wanted to share with you what happened yesterday at the Big Give. I was tossing and turning about what to give, thinking about, I'm sharing this with Jordan's permission, by the way. This is not him going, ah! No, he's good. I was tossing and turning about what to give, thinking about all the upcoming bill deadlines and living expenses I have to meet. I've set faith goals around giving and uh, been involving God more in my finances because I realised I need growth in this area. Now, his dad went on holidays just in the lead up to the big give for five weeks and it meant that Jordan said, I I had to chew through my savings uh, living off that because I wasn't earning. But leading up to the big give, I felt I should give almost half of what I had to my name. Painting is still really slow and uh, didn't know if I was shooting myself in the foot, but I had faith and I gave cheerfully. Later that day, By the way, later that day, while he was sitting at our house with our youth planning meeting, 
prayers were answered as Fusion, that's the youth organization Jordan studied with and works and does some volunteer work with, contacted me, appointing me to a new role as WA's schoolwork coordinator. Okay, it's good, but there's more. The role is paid two days a week because somebody on Sunday, not someone from here, gave $5,000 to Fusion to support me in my new role. And then they've promised that there's more coming in. God is faithful. So I got asked the question, was the big gift successful? And I said, heck yeah, miracle offering. Anyway, and then numbers, numbers. Here it is, for the big gift, $16,669.32. I, I don't know who gave the 32 cents, but hey, look, you know, if that was a big amount for you, then God bless you. Come on. Come on. Because here's the thing. You have a look around. We don't have a lot of high net worth individuals yet here. We don't have someone that bank just says, oh, I'll bankroll that here yet. What this is, is a lot of ordinary people like you and me who, who work in you know, typically uh, uh, ordinary circumstances, typically living on modest incomes. And, 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 and many of you, that situation is changing as you're growing and God's given you favour. But here's the thing, this is, this is, a, this is a, a number that reflects sacrifice. This is a number that is so amazing. And by the way, there's even some more to come. Some people have actually promised uh, to give beyond this. And if you missed it last week, you can still give into the big gift. Um, but it's, it's like, I mean, we were adding these numbers up during the week and like with every, that's me tapping a calculator, with every, with every bit that we added in, like my smile just got bigger and bigger. My heart just got bigger and bigger. My level of pride in your, you guys got bigger and bigger. Um, but it wasn't so much the amount, it was the coming together that was the biggest win in this whole journey up to the big give. It was seeing person after person, couple after couple, family after family, walking forward and saying, I'm all in. We get to build together we get to fight together and we fought and, 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 we, and, we, and this plus expense reductions plus uh, the actual increase in our first 10% giving has seen us clear most if not all of the short-term debt that we've been talking about. Clear the runway, allow us to go further faster. It's so exciting. But the biggest miracle, the biggest breakthrough is the coming together because God's gonna do something more with that, more with unity, more with purpose, more with one heart, one mind, one spirit, one mission. So I want us to stand right now together and we're just gonna riff a little, a little bit of a song. We've already sung some of this. I know some of your knees are cracking and your back's struggling to give in, but you can stand. Let's sing this together because this is a thing. We actually, we actually fought this battle together. And guess what, church? There's gonna be another battle that's gonna come over the horizon and we're gonna get to fight that together. 
and there'll be another battle after that and we get to fight that together. And some of you will go through individual battles and we'll come around you and fight your battle with you together. We'll pray for you, we'll love you, we'll support you, we'll encourage you, we'll be generous towards you, we'll give you our time, we won't judge you, we'll hold you up, we'll do anything we can because that's God's best design for His church. Come on, let's worship, let's celebrate, let's sing this together.